want you to imagine for a moment, for those of you who know me quite well, you need to do a little bit of work here. And for those of you who don't know me very well yet, this will be easy for you. But I want you to imagine that you and I decide to go and get a coffee and to talk and to get out and to get to know each other a little bit better. We meet at a cafe. I order what I always order, a long black with a bit of cream. What are you going to have? Black white. Let me just tell you, if you're wanting one of those like hazelnut caramel things, you're in the wrong church, all right? <laughs> just, I'm sorry. That will be our last coffee. See you, Gra- See you Graham. <laughs> nah, nah, I love your enemies, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. We order our coffees. We find a table. We sit down. I look across the table at you. Ah, oh, it is... It's good to be with you today, and I've, I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you. I'm looking forward to, to get to know you a little bit more. I want to hear your story. Tell me a little bit about who you are. So, tell me, who are you? Tell me about you. And you might sort of do that thing we always do in this moment. You tell me a few things. Well, um, I grew up here. My family looks like this, this, and this. Uh, I'm this old, this age. I'm this relationship status. I I do this for work. I've lived here and here, and I've just got back from being overseas there, and this is what I like to do for fun. That's me. And that's fine to know those bits of information. That's that's fine to talk like that, isn't it? Um, If we're collecting census data... That's not really what I asked as we sit across from each other at the table. I'm asking, no, who who are you? I'm asking you to, to look at your life, the life you are living, the me that you are, and the person that you see yourself as. And I'm asking you to tell me about what you see. What I'm asking you to tell me about here is your identity. Who are you? And this is where it gets tricky because it's easier to talk about those slightly shallower things, isn't it? Because if we are really to talk about me, there's a bunch of me's that we can be. There's the me that I pretend to be. There's the me I don't actually want to be. There's this me that I think I should be. There's a me that other people want me to be. There's a me that I'm afraid that God wants me to be. There's a me that fails to be, no matter how hard I try. But also, deep down in all of us, there is this me that I am meant to be. A me that I'm meant to be. In Ezekiel 37, the prophet Ezekiel is seeing a vision of a valley of dry bones. Do you know the story? He's seeing a valley of dry bones. And God asks Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? These bones you're looking at, do you think they can live? Ezekiel says back to God, well, God, only you alone know the answer to that. 
God did know the answer. For those of you who know the story, what happens? God brings those bones to life. God brings those bones to life. A life that Ezekiel couldn't even imagine rises up in front of him. And Ezekiel's vision is actually a bit of a backing image to some famous words from Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You see, in one story, there's the valley of dry bones. That's the thief's job. But in my In my work, says Jesus, I'm here to bring an abundant life. Uh, The message translation, we talked about this last year, but, you know, that word abundant, uh, Eugene Peterson talks about how he, he paraphrases it as a life better than you can imagine. A life better than you can imagine. That's the work of Jesus. Saint Irenaeus of Lyon said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive? Exclamation point. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. From one of the great saints. Why am I saying all of this to you? I'm saying this because God wants you to grow to become a person fully alive. The big question is, the big question is this, Do you want to become that person? Have you seen a vision of that person? Can you imagine that person in your mind? And if you can, then what sort of traits does that person have as they look fully alive as you? Can you describe what that life might be like if you were gloriously living as a fully alive human being in the way that Jesus is talking about with a life better than you can imagine? Can you describe that? What might this flourishing picture of your life, this thriving picture of your life contain? There is a me that you want to be. There's a me in you that you want to be. And Jesus is asking each of us today. He's asking each of us in this moment. He's asking each of us every day we get up to follow him yet again. Do you want to get there? Do you want to go there? Because I want to take you there. Jesus is saying, I want you to become that person. I want you to get there. And the journey of becoming that person, the journey of getting there, is the greatest quest of the Christian life. It is the great quest of life. In the words of the great sage John Ortberg, he says, life is not about a particular achievement or experience. The most important task of your life is not what you do, but who you become. The greatest task of your life is not what you do, but who you become. So, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? So imagine again, we're back in the cafe. We're seated at that table across from each other. I'm drinking my lemon black and cream. Graham's drinking his mocha vanilla hazelnut latte. Not not mocha, hot chocolate. All right, well that really de-escalated a lot. We're gonna be fine. Imagine we're sitting there and we're talking about your life and we've talked about the statistics. We've talked about those light details. 
We've talked about the schedule that you're keeping, the people that you see, the things that you might be spending your money on. Those are all good things to talk about, aren't they? But it's not really the heart of the matter. It's not the heart of the matter. So, so, so imagine I slide a piece of paper across the table to you and I give you a pen and I get you to write a couple of words at the top of the page and these are the words. Who am I becoming? Question mark. And I just let you sit there haunted by that blank piece of paper for a few moments as you start thinking this through. Who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? If that was the question, I don't think we'd be talking about life statistics anymore or schedules or appointments. I think the thing we'd start to talk about is the thing I talk about with a lot of people when we ask this question. We start talking about a vision for life. We start talking about a vision of a life to live. The person that is in you, waiting to come out. A person that God has made you to be. Maybe it's a person that has sadly been dormant or squashed or defeated by doubt. Maybe it's a person who you once were, but you've drifted. Maybe it's a person who just lost their energy and their vigor to become the kind of person that you want to write down. But as you take your pen and you start writing a few lines and you start listing a couple of traits and you start thinking about a couple of things to answer that question, who am I becoming? I bet as you write, what you would find is that in you, in you, is a person waiting to burst out who is totally free, living life abundantly and well, full of life, full of joy, full of vitality. A person in you of internal emotional health, of stability, not easily swayed, a person who is grateful and content, not just in an Instagram way, but in a deep way, a person who's unhurried, a person who is attentive, a person who is steady, unwavering about your calling or your vocation in life, a person full of love and joy for those around you, a person who is seeking to make the most of every day that has been given to them as a gift of God's grace and God's goodness to them. A person who looks out to bless the world as they have been blessed. As my cup has been filled, I want to pour it out for others, just like Israel was meant to, just like Jesus calls me to. This this is a portrait of life that does not fit easily into census column data collection. We're talking about real life here. A picture of a person who you can become. The big question, though, is this. So who is setting that vision for you? Who's helping you to discover the answers that you want to put on the page? You know, maybe it's that huge industry that's been going for a couple of decades now of self-help books and podcasts. Maybe it's influencers who have been influencing on your Instagram and on your Facebook. Maybe it's that good-meaning friend who keeps offering advice of the latest thing they've been listening to or reading or checking out. Maybe it's just the greater cultural zeitgeist that exists in our, in our being at the moment. This cultural spirit that's informing us all the way we really should be. Back to John Ortberg. He says this. Only God knows your full potential. And he is guiding you toward that best version of yourself all the time. He has many tools and is never in a hurry. 
That can be frustrating for us. But even in our frustration, God is at work to produce patience in us. He never gets discouraged by how long it takes. And he delights every time you grow. Only God can see the best version of you. And he is more concerned with you reaching your full potential than you are. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are not your handiwork. Your life is not your project. Your life is God's project. Flourishing means to move toward God's best version of you. God's best version of you. Notice what I've said here. Not your best version. Not your parents' best version. Not your Instagrammable Instagrammable best version. Not your boss's best version. These are all good and noble things to be motivated by, but they're not the big picture. The big picture here is moved by God's best version for you. God thought you up. He, He knows the best you. And his desire is that you will grow to flourish fully as he can see you doing so. So all this to say this, while while others may desire you to improve, God desires you to flourish. God desires you to flourish. Let me just pull us back to those words again from earlier in John 10.10. Jesus came that we may have life, life abundant. He can see a life in each of us today that we are meant to have and is beckoning each of us Follow me to becoming that person. So so back to the coffee table. Back to the conversation. One more time. You have your piece of paper. You've written, who am I becoming? You've started to jot a couple of things down. But you're struggling to really get writing. I want to add a little dimension to our conversation that might really help today to see what I'm saying. Imagine that the whole time we've been sitting there We've been sitting at a table that had two more chairs on either side of us. So there's four chairs at the table. You're in one, I'm in one, there's two empty seats. And just go with me on this, use your imagination. Imagine if Jesus comes and sits in one of those seats. He pulls his chair in, he'd be drinking a long black with cream too. sort of adjusts his cup and saucer and he looks across at you and he just says, I've come to help you with what you need to put on that piece of paper. I've come to help you get to where this is going. You might not even be able to see the best potential, but I have come that you would start to see it. I have come to stoke your imagination where your imagination is numb. I have come to fill in the blanks where there is only a blank line. I have come to show you a way, a way of life to live. And in that other seat, I want you to imagine, and this might be a bit trickier for some of us to do, but I want you to try. It might take a little bit more work. But I want you to imagine that a person who embodies the best vision of a flourishing life that you can imagine pulls up the other seat. A saint, we might call them. A person who has lived out a rich, 
flourishing life. They've probably got gray hair or no hair. They're probably older. They've probably weathered many seasons and storms faithfully. They're probably a person who walks with this beauty and care and dignity. I mean, they might be the kind of person who's slower, wiser, calmer, kinder, more generous than any other human being you've ever met. They, may, they might be the kind of person that when you have met them and been in their presence, you walk away feeling like you've just kissed heaven. That's how kind they are. A person whose life has flourished. Maybe that person's alive. Maybe they've passed. Maybe you only know them because you've been reading their books and they've been, reading, they've been writing through the decades. Maybe they're a person that you can imagine right now who you know. Maybe it's a neighbor or an older person from church or maybe it's a person who you've encountered in life. But imagine that person comes and sits in that last chair and they just say to you, I just want you to know all the stuff in me that you love, that you see, all the stuff in me that you're attracted to, it's here because of that guy. And the saint points across the table at Jesus and says, because he's the one who showed me how to do it first. Suddenly Paul's little idea of imitate me as I imitate Christ, that's it playing out right there. The good stuff you see in me, it's here because I've been imitating Jesus. So just do what you see in me that's beautiful. Keep doing it because it's just this big train of things coming from him first. See, the goal of life is to become like Jesus if Jesus were you. That is what Central Vineyard's all about. We center our whole being around Christ. That's what all of this is trying to do. Bit by bit, day by day, word by word, song by song, prayer by, song, prayer, by prayer, table by table, sermon by sermon. It's all that we would be making our life into the image of Christ for each of us. And one of the ways we can do that, one of the ways we can access that, one of the ways we can have our imagination stoked for that is by looking to the saints around us who have lived faithfully and well and imitating in them what we see is like Christ. The goal of the life is to become like Jesus and the way to do so is imitation. Imitation. Because of what was in him, we can do it. Our flourishing life is not set by us. Our flourishing life is set by imitation. Do I need to say that again? Our flourishing life is not set by us. Our flourishing life is set by imitation. We are imitating the master. What he did, we too can do. Now there's a problem that we will all encounter though. And the problem is there's a gap. <laughs> There's a gap between the person we sense to be, the person we'd like to become, that imaginative and ideal image, and the person we currently are. <laughs> the portrait we've written down is that like a hero, and I don't feel like a hero right now. There's a gap. We can see a flourishing picture, but meanwhile, I'm just stuck back here trying to make my day work. So how do we work the gap? How do we close the gap? How do we cross the gap? Well, back to Ortberg, another quote from him. Here's the good news. When you flourish, you become more you. You become that person that God had in mind when he thought you up. You don't just become holier, you become youier. You will change. God wants you to become a new creation, but new doesn't mean completely different. Instead, it's like an old piece of furniture that gets restored to its intended beauty. God wants to redeem you, not 
exchange you. God wants to redeem you, not exchange you. Note this really key piece here. This is about redemption, not exchanging. We shouldn't be surprised about this. This this is the good news. This is the gospel, is that God is doing this in all of creation. He's making things new. The meta art of Scripture is that God is in the business of making things new. From the words of Isaiah to the words of Revelation to the words of Jesus to the opening of Ephesians, this is the message over and over again. God is making things new. Behold, get a glimpse, get this in your vision, get this in your imagination. Behold, God is making all things new. He is longing that creation would be restored and fixed, which means if we place ourselves into that story, that big, beautiful story of renewal, our lives become a project in his great repair shop. Now, if the story that you're living in is God is just going to roll this dumpster fire of a mess off to the side and do something new by starting again, you're living the wrong story and you'll always think that you're exchanging your life is the point. But it's not. We are wrapped up into a story of redemption being restored, like that of a great piece of furniture that needs some love. That's the gospel story for us. God's not swiping you off left and starting again with a new person because you weren't good enough. God wants to take who you are as you are and lovingly start working you in, sanding off the rough edges, putting on some new stain where it has gotten worn, replacing that bit of the cushion that's all tatty. He wants to look at your life and do that kind of restoration work in you. God rolling the dumpster fire off to the side is not the gospel. God making all things new, bringing restoration is the gospel. And that main arena of newness is you, you, you. And so if, if we have this gap, the first thing we have to just get in mind here is like, well, I've got to make sure that I am seeing myself as God's project. That that gap is God's project, it's of God's concern, and he wants to help me move through the gap. This area of newness that's in you is is moving from this languishing version of you, this person who's not thriving, this person who lives in this sort of lag or this fuzz or maybe just this like discontentment or adrift and moving you towards being a person who is flourishing. And in doing that, there's five arenas that I want to highlight of transformation. Firstly, there's your spirit. Secondly, there's your mind. Thirdly, there's your time, how you're spending your day. Fourth, there's your relationships, those that you are connected to around you. And fifth, your experiences, the things you're doing in the world with your work and so on. Now, now, as a preacher, I look at a list like that, and I have that great thought, hmm, I think there's a series in this, which is exactly what we've done. Welcome to A Flourishing Life. That's the series today that we're setting up. We want to go on this journey of looking at how does our life become one of flourishing? How do we flourish in all arenas? And so what we want to do is we want to journey our way through those five arenas over the next couple of months. So next week, we're going to be talking about flowing with the Spirit as me. 
So we've just done our Come Holy Spirit for the last month um, series for Pentecost, and it's been a fantastic journey. What a beautiful thing that straight away the first thing we're clicking to in the flourishing life is, okay, so how do I flow with the Holy Spirit as me? What I mean by that is God's not going to change you to be someone else that you're not as you listen to the Holy Spirit, work with the Holy Spirit, hear His voice, all those kinds of things. He, he wants to meet you as you. So how do you flow with the Holy Spirit as you? Uh, Second, uh, on June 18th, we're going to be talking about renewing my mind. We're going to look at renewing my mind. On week uh, three, on June 25th, we're going to be talking about redeeming my time. How do we redeem our time? We're going to take two weeks off because it's school holidays. First week of school holidays, we're going to be doing um, our story Sunday again that we did last term holidays. We're going to do another The Walk Sunday. We're going to hear three people at Central Vineyard about their stories with Jesus. Then the second week after that, the youth are taking over church. So, yeah, the youth are going to be uh, running Sunday and and, and contributing on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. And then we're going to pick up the series again near the end of the school holidays on July 16th. We're going to be talking about deepening relationships. So how do we have flourishing relationships? Fifth, we're going to talk about transforming your experiences on July 23rd. And lastly, to finish the series at the end of July, we're going to be talking, okay, how do we go on from here? How do we keep going? And so that's this series, The Flourishing Life. I just want to wrap up with a few things as we land this introduction today. Firstly, um, as a church, we we want to live in multiple directions. So our logo is this wonky cross to remind us that we're trying to pursue a bunch of things together. One of those things is this big, beautiful story of the kingdom of God and what God is doing and making all things new. The other thing is that we need to embody it, that we need to take ownership and maturity and live it So as lofty as those big ideas can be, we actually have to get something in our beings. And this series is one of those series. So this series is about you and your growth. This series is about you maturing. This series is about you thinking about your life. And that might feel a little bit insular, like that might feel a little bit selfish, but please go with us here. It's just for a little season. We'll get back to some of the big stuff again, but this is about you and growth. This is just as important to us as the big stuff. So we want to go inward for this one. This is an inward series. Um, periodically, um, what we like to do here at um, Central Vineyard is, is we, we have books that we read and go, oh my goodness, this book's terrific. And what we then do is sort of base the series off a book. So we've done this in the past. We've done like John Tyson's A Beautiful Resistance. Um, we've done Scott McKnight's A Fellowship of Difference. We've done a bunch of books and we've done series off them. Um, I just want to be really clear that this series is one of those series. Uh, In preparation for getting ready for this series, like any series, I read a bunch of books and resources and tap into a bunch of stuff. And when I picked up John Ortberg's The Me I Want to Be, uh, which is right here, right there, it's got about six covers. It's a really tricky book to buy because it's um, it's really uh, all over the show with the cover design. But this book was just superb. And so I just want to put a disclaimer out there right from the offset. We're basically doing a sermon series with this book. Uh, Nearly everything I've said today is kind of the first couple of chapters of this book where he talks about finding our identity. Um, And for the next several weeks, it's the chapter titles of, of the book. So we're basically doing like a book study series, which we do time to time because it's just beautiful to tap into the wisdom of the church. And so if you want to grab this on Kindle and follow along, that would be a really good thing to do. Grab it, 
follow along. Um, buy a version on Amazon. There's also YouTube videos for, for discussion guides and study guides. Um, don't go ahead too much, all right? Keep a little bit of mystery in the tank there, but, but there's, a, there's a bunch of deep things you could do to, to keep journeying this along. Uh, John Ortberg wrote this book back in 2010, um, which is way before COVID. And as I was reading this book and our sermon prep stuff, I was struck by how often he kept talking about languishing. And I thought, Flip, I only heard about languishing from the COVID chat. But here's a guy from um, you know, nearly a decade before COVID already starting to put pieces together and looking at people's lives. We are drifting, we're discouraged, we're not thriving, we're languishing, and Jesus didn't call us to that. And so... He talks about this in the title of the book, The Me I Want to Be. Do you want to head towards that life-giving version of yourself that God sees in you? Do you want to go there? Well, then there's a me you want to be. Great, great book. But also, um, we don't just tap into one space of authority. We, we, we like to go a little bit wider than that. So if you're a little bit more academic, uh, a little bit bigger thinking, if um, Ortberg's a bit, um, I don't know, a bit simple for you, which it won't be, but, um, but you know, if you want to go a little bit bigger, we want to offer a second book to read alongside this series. It's just off the press. It's Life Worth Living by Miroslav Volf, who is one of my favorite theologians at the moment. He is just, he's, yeah, Donald's nodding. Yeah, Miroslav Volf. He, is, uh, the, he heads up the Yale Divinity School. Um, he is a very clever man, and there's some beautiful videos on YouTube of him with like Jürgen Moltmann talking about joy. Oh, it's, it's, it just makes me froth. It's where I go to on really bad days. Um, so, he has written it with uh, Matthew Krausman and Ryan mcnally Lins. Together, the three of them at Yale do a paper on the flourishing life. This book is essentially that paper. You get to go and attend a Yale um, paper by reading this book. It's the class. And um, little fun fact, Matthew Krausman is the vineyard pastor in, um, at Elm, uh, at Elm Street Vineyard, I think it's called, um, Elm City Vineyard. Um, so... Uh, Matthew Krausman's got a Vineyard Fano connection to this book. So that's a little bit more academic, a bit more of a stretch, but we just put that out there as an offer. Um, grab the John Ortberg book if you'd like to, but actually, if you want to go a little bit bigger, this will stretch you. So that's the series, and that's where we're tracking for this next little while. So to close, to wrap this up today, to land, I'm aware that I've kind of thrown a bunch of stuff at you, a couple of big thinking things, a couple of deep things. So just allow me to return back to one of Ortberg's quotes that kind of hinge this whole series together. He said this, life is not about a particular achievement or experience. The most important task of your life is not what you do, but who you become. He's echoing Jesus. I mean, Jesus is speaking the exact same thing. It's not about what you do that's impressive. It's about the person you are invited to become. And here's the thing. As you become a greater version of you, you will do great things. You don't lose the ability to do anything. You do them even better. You're even more of a blessing to the world. You're even more of a blessing to your friends. You're even more of a blessing to your family. You're even more of a blessing to the spaces that you occupy. You become a better you. And so the journey of this series is to ask this question really clearly as a church. Who am I becoming? Have I thought about that? Have I done some mahi around that? Have I considered that? And let's get going. And so to close, I want to just take a moment to be still. And I just want to invite you just as you're sitting, just as we started actually, we started a very similar way, 
let's just close our eyes and just take a moment to just take on into our hearts all that we've just covered. And you might like to, just in your mind, you might like to even just imagine that cafe scene one last time, just for one last moment today. We're sitting at that table. Who are you becoming? That piece of paper in front of you. What's some things you're writing down? What are some things you're noticing? Who are you becoming? And Jesus is sitting off to your right shoulder there, and he's looking at you saying, I want to help you get there. I want to help move you there. I've shown you a way, and I will show you even further. And that saint that you can imagine, that great wise saint, that kind and generous and loving presence in your life, that person, that hero, is leaning on your other shoulder saying, oh, and I want to help you get there too, but don't ever forget, it'll be best done through Jesus. Jesus has a great you in mind. So Lord, as we consider our life, and we, we consider deeply this question, who am I becoming? We, we, there's a level that this could just be kind of surface, this could kind of be shallow, but Lord, we say today, open us up to something deep. Lord, open us up to something deeper in our hearts, a work that goes deep, like a mine shaft going down into the core. Lord, we invite you to go down into that place with us. Lord, as we ask the big question of who we're becoming, we thank you that you already have a great mind, a great uh, of vision of us in mind. You're not making this up or winging this. You, you have the most flourishing picture of us in mind. And so, Spirit of God, I ask that you would come in your power and your presence and you would move us towards that person. It's not just by working hard, but it's by your work amongst us. Jesus, you are faithful to complete that which you have started. You've already started moving us towards that vision. But we pray for more. We pray for more in this church. We ask that you'd move us into more saintly-like being. Come, Spirit of God. Move us towards the best version of ourselves that you see. So we open our hearts. We open our lives. We open our minds. We open our time. We open our relationships. We open our experiences towards you, Jesus, and we say, you're the king. Come and show us how to flourish. Come and show us how to do this your way. Come, teach us to thrive. Show us the best version, for we long to live it.